Welcome, Bird Gang, on today's show. A shakeup on the offensive line. Special teams gets addressed, plus what the so-called experts are saying about the Cardinals' moves thus far. But first, why it's good J.J. Watt, quote, unquote, called out Kyler Murray. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 409, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown. Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. So before we get into the news, and there's a lot to get into, MJ, we need to share this exchange between arguably the two biggest names on the team, Kyler Murray and J.J. Watt. Over the weekend on social media, I know you saw this, and I hope the Bird Gang did, but if you didn't, here's what happened. Watt shared a picture of the Cardinals' weight room with this caption, How many times do I have to ask you to stop taking the big dumbbells home on the weekend to do curls, Kyler Murray? From the picture, it looked like four 150-pound dumbbells were missing off the rack. Now, we know MJ, call him Skeletor, he weighs 150 pounds. So Kyler Murray is basically curling two MJs. But the point is, it was (laughs) what, you know, a little little self-deprecating humor here. And Kyler's response, three crying face emojis. A great lighthearted moment, and I think... One of those moments that, yes, there's no interaction face-to-face, but when you can have this kind of interaction, this is a start of forming some chemistry off the field that you hope translates on the field. Yeah, and it's not like J.J. watched his tweeting stuff out that he's working out. He works out a lot, whether he's on the road, whether he's traveling. And, you know, uh, it's nice to see him get a chance to work out and, you know, he seems like he's a guy that has a personality and not that he's a prankster because we don't know him like that, but I can see him taking those weights and putting them on the side and then taking that picture and, you know, having fun with it. But, you know, early on, we figured out that not only relationships, but the fact that he wanted to play with Kyler Murray and here, you know, I'm sure they've texted each other. We knew that happened early in the process when he signed and maybe the recruiting process, but yeah, I mean, the fact that you have uh, the franchise quarterback and one of your bigger free agent signings in the offseason, you know, kind of having a little fun on social media. And when it comes to business, uh, they're all, you know, pulling the same rope to, to obviously try to get this team to the postseason. So it's nice to see that, you know, he's having a little fun and, and the fact that Kyler Murray can enjoy it. I, I think that will go a long way with chemistry and just the whole idea that everyone's on the same page. And I think hopefully you can get Kyler to come out of his shell a little bit. It's year three, and we know that he was basically to himself outside of a handful of teammates in year one. And as you get more comfortable into your surroundings, I think you'll open up more. But this is a way for a veteran to reach out to a young player, yet this young player happens to be the most important player on the team. You know, last year the whole – uh, Gardecki, you know, he came out of the shell. There was one uh, one pre-practice that, you know, he, he was he usually, you know, lined up with the, the the receivers, and then eventually, towards the end of the year, last year, mid-season, he started at the beginning of the line. He would talk to Cliff. Larry was over there, and, and he was by the lineman. 
And then he just ran down the line and just smacked everyone on their butt. So you could see, you know, we don't see, you know, when practice starts, uh, we did hear there was, a, you know, a conversation between Buddha and, and, and Murray, just like, hey, now's the time. And, you know, and when you got a, a Buddha Baker, who I think will be the leader of that secondary now, and Kyler Murray, I mean, he, he, and, you know, we heard Kelvin Beecham just talk about, you know, mundane and, you know, when it comes to practice and stuff. So I don't, I, I think he's got more personality that we see. Uh, but you can see a little bit, and just based on some of the interviews, how I think he improved and opened up a little bit. But again, a lot of pressure on him, and he knows it. And I think he's humble enough to know that you just can't step on the field in the NFL and win like he did in high school and college. And it's a good point you make. What we see versus what his teammates see. We only see what happens on the field or back when it was quote-unquote normal, those 45 minutes were in the locker room, and sometimes you don't want to share a whole heck of a lot. You don't want to open the door to that realm, yet there is a perception out there about Kyler Murray that he is a little bit closed off and just all about himself, and I think what people need to realize is, one, that's just, as you said, a young player given the keys to the franchise from the moment Commissioner Roger Goodell named Kyler Murray as the number one overall draft pick. And yes, that's, that's, a, that's a heavy weight on someone's shoulders. And I do think that a little bit at a time, and I'll go back to Larry Fitzgerald when he first arrived with the Cardinals. He wasn't the Fitz that we all know and love today. It took him a little while. The hope is that Kyler Murray does break through and become that mouthpiece as opposed, or in addition to, I should say, the face of the franchise. We were fortunate enough to be in the locker room uh, during his rookie season. And, you know, we were there for the rookie mini camp, and then he came into the locker room, and I think he was surprised that the media was in there for 35, 40 minutes and, uh, because in college they bring you out. And he would sit at his locker, just like all these young guys, they stare at their phones, and, you know, I'm sure he was res responding to text messages or, you know, posting different things. But then... You know, he would he would go in the cafeteria and he'd bring his food back to his uh, where he was uh, sitting, you know, and then finally Larry's like, hey, why don't you come eat with us? And then, you know, maybe that, that happens after the first month of the season um, because, the, you know, the offseason workouts and then training camp and then you're in routine and he decided then all of a sudden he went in the lunchroom and he started eating with guys. And, you know, so, again, I think Larry's situation was a little bit different, a the position but he was Denny Green's godson, and the Cardinals had Anquan Bolden. So Larry wanted to come in here and just kind of be seen, not heard. And then, you know, obviously he learned a lot from Emmett Smith, uh, just how to dress on press conferences. And he, I think Larry picked up a little bit of things, but I, I think Larry was a little bit different, just the fact that he knew the head coach, and Kyler came in here really didn't know anybody, but also the head coach too. Yeah, and Kyler mentioned he didn't want to step on a lot of people's toes, come in, act as if he ran the place, even though we all know he does, yet you certainly want to earn that respect, and he has certainly done that. Again, just a small interaction on social media, something, though, I do think we can and should, and as we did here to begin the show, make it a big deal, because I do think it's important that these players, they don't have to like each other all the time, but the respect you have to have that in order to have success. And we all want the Cardinals to be successful here in 2021. Well, as it often happens, MJ, you do a show and you like how it goes and you cover a number of different topics and you end the show and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Things start to happen. That's exactly what transpired 
from our most recent show. We've got the Malcolm Butler news, which we talked about. And I've been doing a little bit more research on Butler. I am surprised the more I look at him and how durable he's been over the last several years. One, why the Titans decided to let him go or not make something work out contract-wise or resign or restructure a contract. And if that didn't work out, that's fine. You move on. But the fact that Butler was on the market for as long as he was before finally agreeing to terms with the Cardinals, I like this signing, the bottom line, I like this signing more and more as time goes on and you read more about Malcolm Butler and then you read about what other people think about Malcolm Butler, those that covered him and then those national perspectives as well. Over the years, I've always said, and, and you and I have had this conversation, in, including a guy like Dan Arnold, okay, why was he available? And then you're thinking, well, sometimes it's a numbers game, and uh, sometimes teams try to slide a guy to a practice squad, and some other team claims him, and then we get the free agency, and, you know, why was he available? This is totally a cap casualty. He was scheduled to make 12 or $13 million. I don't know if they asked him to take a pay cut. Uh, you know, clearly their secondary was, wasn't up to par last year between a Dory Jackson who didn't play a lot. Um, but I, I talked to the Titans analyst, former head coach of the Cardinals, Dave McGinnis, and he's been doing their games for the last few years with Mike Keith. And he said he's beloved in the building. Him and Jeffrey Simmons were the best players on defense last year. Um, he, he, he can cover. He's a, he's, a, he's a number one corner. He's physical. He's really good in run support. Um, you know, he's played for Bill Belichick. He's played for Brian Flores. Um, and, now, and he got a chance to play with uh, Mike Vrabel and, and Dan Pease. So the, the defensive background and the experience he has. And he's physical and he's, and he's really good in run support. So a little bit different uh, skill set than Patrick Peterson. I think Patrick may be a little bit more athletic, even though he doesn't have the same foot speed. Um, Patrick obviously is savvy when it comes to covering quarterbacks. He knows some of their traits. He is physical at the line of scrimmage when it comes off press coverage. Now, if you get a fast guy on him, you're going to need safety help. But he went against some of the bigger receivers in football, Allen Robinson. He went against A.J. Green. Um, so, again, if you've got a speed guy, you probably want somebody else to cover him. But when it comes to run support, he's going to come up and try to run. And we could see him come off the edge. Um, but they really loved him in the building. They didn't want to get rid of him. Uh, it was just one of those deals where they had a, a lot of money to different positions. Um, but he, he, a glowing endorsement. I'm not, and I'm not sitting here and saying, well, he's 31. Is he really a QB1, a CB1? The Cardinals consider him a number one corner based on, you know, Darren, when they, he wrote, wrote his first article, and the people I'm talking to, they – they felt like he was a corner number one in Tennessee last year. So um, you're right. Uh, the fact that they got him for one year close to $6 million, 3.5 base, he's got a lot of incentives when it comes to possibly interceptions and passes defense. Um, no, I, I'm, uh, you know, all of all the corners, uh, if you'd have told me this in, in the first day of free agency, I would have said, wow, Malcolm Butler. And we all know how effective he's been in different defenses. So I, I really like that. And I think as we pointed out last week, it really settles things down in that secondary. Now, sure, you got to get more depth and I, I wouldn't rule out corner in the draft, um, but I really like where they are. They're top three guys. Now we know you got to stay healthy, but, but I think right now bringing in a guy with that kind of credentials and background is really going to help that room.
Production-wise, Malcolm Butler, as we talked about in our most recent Cardinals Cover 2 show, the only player in 2020 with at least 100 tackles and four interceptions. He played 97% of the defensive snaps. He's played all 16 games in five of the past six seasons, so you can count on Malcolm Butler on Sundays, and that's what this corner position has lacked over the last couple of seasons is that availability. And whether that's Patrick Peterson on the suspension list or Robert Alford on the injured list, you need to be able to count on guys and knock on wood. The Cardinals can count on Malcolm Butler to be on that field every single game. I know a lot of Cardinal fans are wondering, you know, and and it makes sense. Is it good for a cornerback to have 100 tackles? Well, I can tell you they're ranked 30th in the NFL. They only had 19 sacks the whole season. So, Clearly, they couldn't get to the quarterback, and he has to cover. And that was their weakness. Again, him and Jeffrey Simmons were their two best players. Not, It's not even close. Simmons more in the front seven, and then Malcolm Butler. So that's the reason why he had 100 tackles, because they couldn't get any pass rush. And the, the quarterbacks they were going against, they were able to, you know, throw, I think he had four interceptions and 14 or 15 passes defense. So he had some opportunities, but a lot of times they weren't getting pressure and he had a cover forever and that's where he was making those tackles. By comparison, Bird Gang, the Cardinals finished with 48 sacks last season with a league-high 18 players recording at least one sack. So there is the difference between the Cardinals' defense and what Malcolm Butler was doing with the Tennessee Titans. Some other moves made since our most recent show, Darrell Daniels, Charles Washington, agree to terms. They are back in the fold. Lesser moves, yes, on the surface, but important one because of special teams. Daniels is doesn't get a lot of credit on special teams, but he is a big piece. And then of course, maybe become more of a feature piece in the tight end room while with a Max Williams, as far as blocking. He doesn't have the catch skills as a Dan Arnold, but I do like the fact that Daniels is back as a blocker. And maybe I know he wants to be more involved as a pass catcher to maybe you can work with him, but it does seem like this Cardinals offense is veering away from that tight end down the seam as an one or two option more of a hey we need extra help to block and maybe we come a little bit more run heavy or kyler murray stands in the pocket as opposed to moving out and trying to run for 5 10 15 yards i think it was important once they lost darren arnold to the panthers on a two-year deal that you know uh, darrell daniels was a free agent i think it's important to bring him back on you know He's had he's had a few drops and he's had some penalties, but th- that pass that Murray threw him in, in the end zone, I mean, maybe he does have a little bit more skill set. We just look at him and him and Max are kind of blockers, and then we looked at Dan Arnold as strictly a pass catcher. So, yeah, I mean, more more time, and you know, him and him and Kyler were on the same page, and they had a little discussion on the sidelines, and everything was good. So, you know, at least you know Kyler knows that if these guys are open, and to me. Um, if Kyler decides that he can throw over the middle, I think a, a tight end is a really good safety net for you, for a quarterback. Now, again, he's got to be able to see over the middle and the guy's got to get open. But we know Max Williams is a Mr. Pro. He's a, very, he's a consistent player. He's never going to catch 70 balls. But I do like the one-two punch if you're looking at just strictly blocking. Now, you, you know, Cardinals could go four wide and, you know, you won't have Dan Arnold out there. But if some of these other receivers can step up, that can be another way 
because I, I think in this day and age, running backs and tight ends, it's really a mismatch for linebackers and safeties. So I wouldn't rule off the position as a whole, but I think when you look at their top two guys right now, they're probably more blockers than they are pass-catching tight ends. Daniels, eight catches for 92 yards and a touchdown last season. And then Charles Washington, we know his ability on special teams, a career-high 13 special teams tackles last season. And he can, in a pinch, play some safety. He was on the field for 40 defensive snaps, so there is that skill set. But when you talk about who is in charge of special teams and Jeff Rogers with that assistant head coach tag, there's a certain number of players that he likes, he trusts, a Dennis Gardeck, Ezekiel Turner, Charles Washington, guys that he wants to make sure remain in an Arizona Cardinals uniform. And I do think when you lose a Trent Shurfield, you do want to make sure you're not losing all of these guys that maybe, again, back into the roster, so to speak, but certainly huge when it comes to special teams. And the fact that Chris Banjo's a free agent, you know, I liked him last year. Now uh, we know he's more of a, best, a better special teams player. You know, obviously all these guys want to play on defense, but we know at least Washington is going to dress and it creates a little depth there. We know Buda Baker and you look at Deontay and, and, and Jalen Thompson, and now you got another veteran guy there. So, you know, obviously you want to have depth because we know that, um, you know, Jalen Thompson and Deontay Thompson, for some re different reasons, haven't been able to stay healthy uh, for the majority of the year. So you want to have some depth there, but um, more of a special teams guy than, than anything else. I, I don't know how much defense he would play, but, if, you know, if he's dressing on game day and somebody goes down, that's the first guy up. So they feel comfortable with him. Uh, I don't think he's, um, a, you know, a weak link out there. He's, he's like to, you like to have somebody that has a little bit more experience at that position, but the only way he's going to get more experience is by getting more playing time. And by the way, both of these players, Daniels and Washington, claimed off waivers. So sometimes you do hits when you claim a player off waivers. And I think more times than not, the Cardinals have had in recent years a lot of success as far as picking off the scrap heap, if you will, someone else's leftovers. You know, the saying that one man's trash is another man's treasure. Well, look, you're in this league for a reason. Sometimes it doesn't always fit or you're the product of a numbers game and you get released. And then all of a sudden you find a fit elsewhere. It happens to a number of players. And for Darrell, Darrell Daniels, three seasons, he'll be entering his fourth season with the Cardinals in Washington, two seasons going into year three with the Cardinals, liked the re-signing of both of those players. The other move that was made that we need to address here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, Mason Cole traded to the Vikings for a sixth round pick, number 223 overall. And this is a move that I think a lot of people foreshadowed or thought that, hey, Rodney Hudson's in the mix now, Lamont Gilliard potentially as a center or a backup. What do you do with Mason Cole? Is he the odd man out? Is he subject to getting released? Well, if that's the case, then you want to try to get something for him. And the Cardinals, yes, he is a former third-round draft pick, but you do get something out of it and picking up a sixth-round pick for dealing Mason Cole and three seasons with the Cardinals. And yes, he had some ups and he had some downs, but certainly did serve a purpose and served in a pinch when AQ Shipley hurt his ACL and tore his ACL in that red and white practice. And Mason Cole, instead of sitting that first year, ended up starting all 16 games. 
ideally, you know, he, he probably should have sat and maybe he could have been that sixth lineman to come in, you know, he's more of an interior guy, but yeah, I mean, Shipley goes down and next thing you know, he's playing a thousand snaps and we know how many uh, different line combinations they had that year. Um, you know, and, and it probably was difficult for Sean Kugler considering his son uh, played Michi uh, football at Michigan. I'm sure they were good friends, but, you know, obviously Kugler is trying to do the best. And he had every opportunity last year to kind of man that position. And, when, you know, it's just he was undersized a little bit. And, you know, when you're getting pushed around a little bit, and you know, it affects Kyla Murray, uh, probably affected the running game interior, running between the tackles, even though Drake was trying to hit it outside. And, you know, on paper, they can save, they save a couple million dollars. But I, I think, you know, based on Lamont Gilliard and then, you know, undrafted free agents, and maybe you take a look at Josh Miles or, um, you know, guys that can do more. And, and listen, Minnesota was looking for linemen. So he gets, he gets to extend his career. Rick Spielman is a guy that, um, you know, I'm sure they scout a, a Mason Cole coming out. Um, so they have intel on him and we'll see if he gets a chance to compete there, but you know, so he did everything in his power. It was just more coaching changes. And, you know, obviously when they brought in Kugler, um, you know, I thought they missed AQ Shipley, even though I thought they wanted to get younger and more athletic, but it all worked out and, you know, great guy. I uh, wish him a lot of luck. Uh, I, th I thought he did everything in his power to try to keep that position. 32 starts over three seasons. So yeah, Mason Cole was with what he was and and that is a serviceable center but in listening to sean kugler it was we need to get better at that position and the cardinals certainly did upgrade to a better center and a pro bowl center with rodney hudson now the cardinals now have six draft picks mj probably still on the lighter side everyone wants more draft picks yet sometimes it's okay to deal a draft pick when i.e your giving away a third round pick for Rodney Hudson or a fourth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins or a sixth round pick for Marcus Golden. I would certainly take the player over those draft picks, but now you have six, one in the first, one in the second, and then not again until the fifth, the sixth, and then two in the seventh. So three picks between round six and seven. You know, can you find that diamond in the rough or find someone that you can develop or maybe you find lightning in a bottle for a year or two? I know people focus on day one and certainly day two of the draft as opposed to that final Saturday. But six is a lot more than five. Breaking news here on Cardinals Cover 2. We'll just see if that number increases here between now and the end of April. We'll have plenty of time to get into some of the particulars, but again, if you get three or four quarterbacks off the board, we get a couple uh, alignment off the board. I mean, the Cardinals are going to be sitting in a good position at 16, but I still think you can get the same player from 13 to 25. Now people are going to say, well, you're going to get the third or fourth corner. We don't know where they're ranked on their board. Just like, you know, last year, uh, San Francisco 49ers had Brandon Ayuk as the number one wide receiver. We were all talking about, Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs, and then you throw in C.D. Lamb. So we don't know. Um, but I, I I think trade down could be a viable option to try to pick up an extra third-round pick. I don't know how far you can go down. And then, Craig, when you start getting down to the 24, 25, 26, there's a couple of running backs out there. And I know that they've said that Chase Edmonds is their bell cow. And, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm against drafting a running back 
early in the draft, okay? I just think there's more talented players, and we know that they're devalued. And backs and wide receivers, you can get in the second or third round. But Najee Harris and Travis uh, Etienne, uh, those are good value picks there. But, again, where is the corner on the roster? Do you have to get another receiver because A.J. Green's on a one-year deal? We don't know the future of Andy Isabella. So, But I think 16 would be a viable option to trade down and try to get an extra third-round pick. I would love to be a fly on that wall inside the draft room any year. I mean, if they allowed it, great. I, I would love to just the, the inner workings and then the discussions. But imagine your general manager, Steve Kime, and you got all the scouts in there and you're sitting there. You just drafted in round two, the 49th overall pick. MJ, you're sitting now until pick number 160. I mean, now I don't want anyone to sit here and say, well, you got to get another pick in the third round or the fourth round and panic, but that's, that's a long time. I mean, <laughs> I know it's not going to happen, but what do you do? You go out and get a bite to eat. I mean, run some errands. I mean, what, <laughs> you go from pick 49 to 160. I, you know, that's, and that's over day two to day three, but that's a lot of time for general managers sit and think and maybe overthink potentially trying to get another pick in round three or four the thing is though you, you, you depending on you know because that is a long time to i mean you're talking about over 111 players that are going to go off the board give or take a few names besides trades that's maybe when you offer a future pick for next year and and if this team feels like they're going to be a playoff team so maybe they're picking somewhere between 21 and 25 meaning if you make the postseason you're not picking the top 20. So maybe they'll offer a future pick, um, but it's got to be worth it. But the teams do value third and fourth round picks. Those are the guys you got to hit on. I mean, we all talk about first and second. If you can pay, if you can hit on a guy third, fourth, and fifth round, um, and you, he, he gets a second contract, well, you're doing your job there. But again, it's a crapshoot. It's 50-50. There's no guarantees. I don't care first round, second round. And we always talk about it. What's between the ears and what's in the chest. And teams have to find that out. How much do you love football? Is it just a job? Are you motivated by the shield? Or do you want to be great, not just good, and, and say, I made the NFL? So there's a lot of factors that go into that. And again, if it was as easy as people make it sound, um, you know, you'd see a lot more players panning out. Some players, they're not coachable. Some players feel like, um, I just can step on the field and I can do this. So. Uh, I don't. I don't envy those those GMs because uh, they're you're evaluated on what you do with your roster. And there's three ways to build a roster. We know Steve's done a good job at trades, signing free agents, and clearly they want to do a better job drafting. It is so easy to draft after the fact, <laughs> and of course, the most criticized part of general managers' resume is the draft and what have you done and it's where Steve has gotten a lot of heat because a number of those picks have not panned out now you want to talk trades you want to talk waiver claims more success in those areas yet we're not talking about any of this if the team is winning it's funny how things work and things surface to the surface level when things are going bad then that's when you start looking at like why is it going bad but when things are going well then you kind of forget about certain things of that nature Bird Gang, if you haven't already, subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. 
Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. And again, a congratulations to Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and our producer, Jim Omohundro. Show number 500 of The Big Red Rage late last week. In case you missed it, it's in the archives. It is a must-listen. A lot of historical significance as far as going back into the archives, listening to clips. Darren Urban was a guest on the show, but uh, something that I thoroughly enjoy every single Thursday. Typically, it's in-season, but now over the last couple of years, it's now year-round, much like the Cardinals' Red Sea Report. But the one moment that stood out to me listening to that show, MJ, last week, Bertrand Berry, our colleague on the Cardinals' Red Sea Report, used that platform as a player host, and he was a great host of that show, but used that platform to announce his retirement from the National Football League. So uh, I tip the cap to Bertrand Berry because, you know, some guys will just, you know, announce it, you know, on social media or other channels or just a quick uh, press release. But uh, Bertrand Berry thought enough of that show and enough of his co-hosts and Omo to do it in that fashion when he announced his retirement. We both been fortunate enough to work with Bertrand Berry when we were at 98.7 uh, FM and then obviously doing the Red Sea Reporter the last couple of years and you get to meet the guy, you know, away from the mic. Uh, you won't meet a, a better human being. He cares about you. He asks about your family and, and the fact that, you know, he has a lot of respect for Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley and, and Jimmy Omohundro. Um, that was the right thing to do. He didn't have to do that, but that, that just goes to show you. And, and let's, you know, he's getting an opportunity to have his, his second career in the media. Um, you know, I, lo- I love doing the show with him. You know, they let us go at that time. But uh, like I said, I think he's, he's what he's doing on his personal life now, working out uh, young high school players, trying to get them ready for college and stuff like that. So you won't meet a better human being that actually, when he asks you how you're doing, he really cares. Yeah, it's one of those not a passing conversation. No. He really wants to know how you're doing. Uh, by the way, as we talk here on this Monday, Cardinals cover two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. MJ grades how you know how were your grades in school? You're 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 a straight A student, no, principal uh, list on a roll. No, probably a C guy. C guy. All right. Well, then how, then the Cardinals are much better students, if you will, than Mike Jarecki. Grading the offseason, it's, I guess, a necessary evil. Everyone does it. You do it during certain points of the offseason, after, or excuse me, during free agency, after free agency, after the draft, and then, of course, right before the regular season begins. The reason I bring this up is because we're seeing more and more of these so-called experts, if you will, the pundits who follow the National Football League releasing their grades. And full disclosure, if they didn't like with what the Cardinals were doing, we probably wouldn't be talking about it. But it does give a greater sense of what the outside is thinking about what the Cardinals are doing here. Because sometimes, let's face facts, MJ, sometimes we get caught in our own little bubble and just see what we want to see or because we're around it for so uh, often and so long that sometimes it clouds your judgment. Yet you do hear that a number of people believe that the Cardinals have done very well in terms of free agency, whether that's guys that they've retained, signed, or in the case of Rodney Hudson, acquired. And of course, it all began with J.J. Watt 
which again seems like forever ago, but the most recent grade, Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com over the weekend, put the Cardinals at a B plus. Quote, the Cardinals are on the door of making a postseason return. End quote. And that MJ is what we all hope happens this coming season. The thing is, you know, bringing in a guy like J.J. Watt and, and Rodney Hudson and even a guy like A.J. Green is, you know, these guys got to, you know, they got to stay healthy. And Hudson's not in that equation where, you know, we know how many games that uh, A.J. Green and J.J. Watt have missed. If these guys can give us 16 games, I mean, I, I, I think the Cardinals done a really good job. I mean, they went out and got culture and leadership. Uh, we look at J.J. Watt as a guy that obviously is going to make the defense better, but he's also going to make his teammates better. He's going to bring leadership to that locker room. You know, you know, Patrick Peterson was a leader, a little bit different leader, though. You know, um, Larry Fitzgerald, leader, a little bit different. And then you look at Rodney Hudson. You know, he's coming in here, just going to do his job. He's going to protect Kyler Murray. So I really like the moves. And, you know, they st- even though they may only have five or six draft picks at the end, and, uh, I-, I like what they've done. They've upgraded at certain positions. They've upgraded at center. They've upgraded at, at second wide receiver. They've upgraded on the D-line. Uh, they retained – they got Marcus Golden back. You know, they got some of their t- uh, tender guys back. You know, Kylie Fitz, um, Tanner Vallejo was a free agent. Dennis Gardeck's been tendered. So uh, I like the fact that it, it wasn't just all, you know, one-year deals. Uh, some obviously because of the cap, but I think they've upgraded that the, the, the positions that we consider needs or holes going into the offseason. Bleacher Report also gave the Cardinals a B-plus grade, writing Arizona has set itself up to compete and shouldn't be underestimated. They also acknowledge that there is still work to be done, and I think we've acknowledged that as well here on Cardinals Cover 2, but everything points to the line of scrimmage, whether that's J.J. Watt and the defensive line, you want to throw in Marcus Golden as well, or the offensive line, Yes, Rodney Hudson, a huge addition, but people are pointing also to Kelvin Beecham, getting him back in the fold, because I think based off what we've heard from Beecham, he was not going to play anywhere else but the Arizona Cardinals. So it was a question of whether he wanted to play, keep playing. He answered yes, and I think that might be one of those underrated moves that solidifies not only the right tackle spot, but certainly some leadership and veteran experience along those five guys that are in charge of protecting Kyler Murray. Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see what the competition as at right guard uh, between, you know, Justin Murray, who has experience against uh, Brian Winters. But for the most part, I mean, they got a lot of experience there. DJ Humphreys, is, he hasn't reached his peak. Uh, he's definitely matured over the years. Justin Pugh coming off a good year. He's in his 30s. We know Hudson's been the, the fixture uh, with the Raiders. Uh, we'll see what happens at right guard. And then Kellen Beecham, he's just like a voice of reason. I mean, he kind of like E.F. Hutton, when he talks, I listen, just like Corey Peters and some other guys. That, again, maybe not the household names, but when when you, when you see what they're saying, you could see that it, it can wear off on the other guys. So, And we had that conversation at that first wave of free agency. You said, who would you like to see them, you know, re-sign? Besides Golden, and that happened before um, – Obviously, that you can resign your own players and announce it. But I, I was thinking Arnold from, uh, you know, uh, wide receiver, tight end situation, and then Calvin Beecham. And I think the Beecham sign. But I like the fact that, you know, depending on who starts at right guard, they have guys that, are, that have experience, and these guys are mature, 
And you got some guys that are, you know, um, you know, can lend a hand to some of these young guys that don't get a chance to start. Yeah, and all these guys, I mean, will have great mentorship and experience to pass on to Kyler Murray, who is still learning. And you've got in the in the signing, or I should say, the acquisition of Rodney Hudson. You know that center spot. You know we all focus on tackles and protecting the edges, but that center spot is the quarterback of the offensive line, the captain, if you will, line calls, reading defenses, and that's a huge part before the ball is even snapped to figure out what you're going to do. Do you need a check out of what the call is, or if we do have the right? play then let's run it successfully so that Rodney Hudson move continues to be brought up and NFL.com gave that trade an A for the Cardinals now they didn't like it for the Raiders they gave it a D but that is a move that certainly has left a lot of people scratching their heads from the Raiders perspective but from the Cardinals perspective NFL.com writes chalk it up as a strong addition for Cliff Kingsbury's offense swapping out struggle bus blocker Mason Cole for pro football focuses, number eight center in 2020. And then they go on to mention that he allowed just three sacks since 2015. So that interior push that defenses like to see, maybe now you do have that pocket, that upside down horseshoe, if you will, that Kyler Murray can move up in the pocket as opposed to drifting or go backwards. And again, uh, you know, Mason Cole, like I said, uh, I, I guess at this point, we'll see if he gets a chance to, to compete for a starting job. Uh, clearly, the Vikings want to improve their offensive line. But, you know, just based on what happened last year, I, I would consider him a backup on the Cardinals roster. So you definitely have upgrade there. And it, it wasn't lack of effort. It just It's just, you know, playing in the NFC West, you're going against some of the, the uh, formidable fronts in football. I mean, the Niners have invested a ton of high draft picks on there, and they've had some injuries. We know Seattle's brought in guys, Dunlop, Reed, um, Clowney, uh, you know, and, and then the Rams. We know that, that they just get Brockers, and I always, you know, um, not there any longer, but Aaron Donald, they, they find, you know, rotation guys. They've had good players on the line. So um, I'm, I think you can say this for every division, but especially in the NFC West, man, you got to protect the quarterback. You got to be able to run the football. You got to be able to get run the get, run the ball to play up the play action. I know it's probably in every division, but it's just here. Um, who would you say as of today has had the better off season in the NFC West? The best NFC off. West. Yeah, I you know. The Rams have certainly lost a lot. I do like the Matthew Stafford move as far as an upgrade at quarterback, but the number of players that they've lost, the number of coaches that they've lost, you can't discount that. The Seahawks, they've re-signed a lot. They really haven't gone out outside of the Gabe Jackson acquisition. You know, is Russell Wilson happy with what they've done with their offensive line compared to Kyler Murray, who I think has got to be thrilled with what the Cardinals have done with their own offensive line. And then the 49ers, I think they're still a little bit of a question mark considering what they did last Friday and shaking up the entire 2021 draft with now having that number three overall pick. They are certainly one of those teams, though, that you have to keep paying attention to because they were banged up considerably last year and they're only going to get healthy. So as far as totality... Um, and again, maybe I'm looking through it through Cardinal colored glasses, MJ. I would say I like what the Cardinals have done to improve immediately here in 2021. 
I would agree with that. And, you know, we'll have to see for the draft. And, you know, the, the Niners obviously have, you know, kind of mortgaged a future for what they're going to do. Uh, we know the Rams don't have a ton of picks. Uh, the, the Seahawks kind of in the Cardinals' same boat, five or six, I want to say. So um, the Niners, they're talented. They just, they just got hit with the injury bug. And even though, you know, everyone's trying to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, when he's healthy, look at his win-loss record. The problem is they had to go to backup quarterbacks and there's a drop-off. And I'm curious to see who they're going to, uh, bring in because that was a big talking point in the offseason if they're going to go with Garoppolo. Now, if they draft, you know, quarterback at the third overall pick, I got to assume he's going to dress on game day. But the the idea was that if Jimmy had something happened to Jimmy Garoppolo, that they wanted a veteran backup. So they got talent. And, you know, you get some of those weapons back. You know, Brandon Ayuk was injured last year. He's going to be a returner. Um, Debo Samuel. Um, we'll see about the running game. The, the only thing I'll say about the Seahawks, I think it was important they re-signed Chris Carson. Uh, we know it's going to come down to Russell Wilson and, you know, DK Metcalf and uh, Tyler Lockett in their running game. But I think the Cardinals had to improve in those areas, and I think they did that. So I would give them the edge. But we all know it's going to come down to division games. And you start off 2-0 last year, and then you finish 2-4. and and we talked about getting through the Rams. You know, you're gonna to have to get through the Seahawks. I got to remind myself, Craig, that the Seahawks were 12 and four last year. It was a sneaky 12 and four based off how they finished the season. And maybe when you're having this discussion, as far as you know, which team had the better off season, you can make the case that the Cardinals had more to do yes. to get to that level of a Rams, Seahawks, and 49ers team. And that you know, that's that's one way of you know devil's advocate or looking at it from the other side that, you know, in totality, yeah, a great offseason, but why did they have to have a great offseason? Exactly. That's, that's why I, they had more to, um, they had more to address. Correct. And that's why we're seeing more household names. Now I do like this Deshaun Jackson pickup. Uh, I know he's getting up there in age, but the, you know, he's 32, but he can fly. And I want to say Sean McVay was with him in Washington. Maybe when he was with, Washington Correct. football team. And, you know, we know that Cam Makers is probably going to be their featured back. They like to use the tight ends, but they got Cooper Cup and Robert Woods. But I, I think it, with the Matthew Stafford, and he can throw that deep ball, I think Deshaun Jackson is really going to open up that offense for him. So that's another weapon the Cardinals are going to have to defend. Well, you brought it up. Let's get into it before we end this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Not a Friday news dump because it was not in the afternoon or evening, but in the morning news breaks and the 49ers have since confirmed it, but they now own the number three overall pick. They dealt the 12th overall selection, a third round pick and first round picks in 2022 and 2023 to the Dolphins who then about what, 15, 20 minutes later, traded the 12th overall selection and a 2022 first round pick to the Eagles for a sixth overall pick. So here's the first 10 draft picks, or here's the first six picks now coming up on April 29th. Jaguars, Jets, 49ers, Falcons, Bengals, and Dolphins. So really what the Dolphins did is they moved from three to six at the expense of a first round pick that they acquired from the 49ers so this certainly has left a lot of people from the 49ers standpoint okay well why are you doing this well there's only one reason mj you're doing it because you 
need a quarterback. You're doing it for your quote unquote quarterback of the future. And now people believe that Jimmy Garoppolo, can you keep him on the roster? What do you do with him? But interesting that this news breaks on Friday, which also the same day Zach Wilson had his pro day at BYU and the 49ers were in attendance. Well, it seems like, you know, I guess the draft will start probably at number four now, maybe five, depending on what Carolina does, uh, what the Falcons go for a quarterback, Arthur Smith. You know, I got to think he's going to get, he looks at Matt Ryan, like Ryan Tannehill. I know that the age is different, but yeah, I was, I was shocked. Um, I, I, you know, they're saying all the right things that Garoppolo's the guy, um, you know, after this year, they really don't have a lot of dead money in the cap. And, I think they're ready to compete right now, but I think what they're doing is they want to check that box for the future. And they must feel like there's one guy out there. And if Zach Wilson is going to the Jets and Trevor Lawrence is going to the um, Jacksonville Jaguars, now I don't know how much they like Justin Fields, um, but it comes down to two guys, Trey Lance and Mac Jones. And, you know, you're saying, well, they had the 12th overall pick. Would one of those guys drop there? You know, a lot of people, uh, put the Patriots, even though they got Cam Newton, um, his relationship with Nick Saban, it makes sense. Patriots got the 15th pick, one one pick before the Cardinals. Who's to say Belichick wouldn't trade up? So they must feel um, – they know who's going one and two, but they must feel comfortable to where they got to three. And then we had Philadelphia try to get in the mix there a little bit, moving back with the, with the Dolphins and stuff like that. So, yeah, I was I was shocked. Um, but I do think Garoppolo is going to be the guy. And um, I don't know if they can go into the season with a rookie quarterback. They're ready to win right now with that roster. Well, with Garoppolo, I know his contract is structured in such a way that it's a lot of non-guaranteed money. So you can get off that and still save a boatload of cash as far as the salary cap. And there's one line of thinking that you save that money because you got a number of guys coming up for extensions. If you want to retain a Bosa, a Samuel, guys that you believe are part of your core on the offense and defensive end. So, yes, it's the whole Josh Rosen right now. He's our quarterback. I think things tend to change a little bit when we're in this time period, if you will, between free agency and the draft, because what is said is also picked apart a lot of the times. And we know what happened. Josh Rosen was traded and Kyler Murray became the guy. So the 49ers are going to draft a quarterback. And you brought up the question is who? And I don't know if the Jets, you know, do they move off of Sam Darnold or are they ready to cut bait and move on and get their own quarterback of the future because that would shake things up as well because then all of a sudden the 49ers at number three maybe they now have to think Wilson Fields Lance or Jones because the Jets go with someone else a tackle or, or a corner or a wide receiver it certainly would be a surprise I think a lot of people believe MJ that quarterbacks are going to go one two three four off the board in some particular order with Trevor Lawrence being the number one guy to the Jaguars I think there's no debate about that anymore yeah, and I think it's very clear. And, you know, if you're uh, Trent Belkey, who's the general manager, and uh, we, we know that the owners involved, uh, Mr. Khan, Shad Khan, and then Urban Meyer, clearly he's he's in charge of the personnel. So, yeah, I mean, you, you just can't come out today and say we're going to draft Trevor Lawrence. I mean, plus the, the morning of the draft, the day of the draft, they have to call him to make sure he's available. 
and it's more of a protocol because if you can't get a hold of the guy, uh, again, I'm, this is stuff that's not going to happen. But um, I, I think when you hire a new head coach and Robert Sala, um, and Joe Douglas has a ton of draft capital and a ton of cap space. You know, I don't think it's all on Sam Darnold, to be honest with you. Um, but if you can get a second-round pick for Sam Darnold, then I'll get that rookie uh, on that rookie contract. Now, is he ready to play right away and all that other stuff? I don't know. I mean, clearly they got six-year contracts with the Jets, so they're building for the future. But, you got again, Joe Douglas, he didn't draft uh, Sam Darnold. That was Mike McCagden. So you can hit the reset button and start over and get that rookie quarterback on that rookie deal for a long time. By the way, the mentioning of Josh Rosen, he has been re-signed by the 49ers. He's on the roster, and then all of a sudden, all this news is breaking. You think, maybe I can be the backup or maybe compete for that number one job, and then all of a sudden, well, hey, I'm deja vu all over again as far as that next era parents coming in, and all of a sudden, Josh Rosen, who just simply can't buy a break here in his early career and you feel for him because I do think he's talented but sometimes it's it's not when you get drafted it's who you get drafted to what kind of setup do they have what kind of um, help do they have for you to be successful Um, because everyone points to Tom Brady and oh you know sixth round draft pick well you know it was a luxury item because they had Drew Bledsoe and they took a chance and it worked out. But, you know, guys are successful sometimes regardless. And then there are guys that are successful because of the surroundings that they're put into and the help that they get. You know, when, when it comes to Rosen, I mean, clearly he was, he was going to get drafted in the first round. The Cardinals were at 15. They went to 10. They only didn't give up a ton for him. But the thing is, I, I don't know if he's going to get better coaching from Kyle Shanahan. Now, clearly, you know, when you're in, in the same quarterback room with with uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you'd hope you learn something there. Unfortunately, here, hopefully, you learn something from Leftwich because you know Mike McCoy, you know, that wasn't going to work out. But Kyle Shanahan is really a great developer quarterback, so hopefully, he can learn there. And you know, if, if they do take a quarterback third. Is that quarterback active on game day? Because here we go again. If something happens to Garoppolo, they've talked about that. At least Rosen's now been in the system. So Josh could be the backup going into the season. I don't know that for sure. Um, but I, hopefully he can learn from Kyle Shanahan. And if it's not there, it's somewhere else. Because Kyle Shanahan's one of the better quarterback coaches in football uh, with the whole motion and shifting and recognizing defenses. I mean, he's really good at his craft. And I think he learned a lot from his father. It certainly was a major move, a major play for the 49ers. And yes, it does have an indirect and direct impact on the Cardinals as far as this season and seasons to come, because now all of a sudden that quarterback in the division, you're getting younger. And Kyler Murray might not be the youngest player now leading a team. He was there for a while, but now all of a sudden, maybe it's the changing of the guard, if you will, with the 49ers and Cardinals with these young pups going to get some of the veterans and a Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford. And you start to wonder when it comes to John Lynch putting that roster together uh, with his um, you know personnel staff, do they, do they feel like, you know, it's we've had a tough time defending a mobile quarterback. So how about we get a mobile quarterback where they got to defend us now? Because all these guys were talking about, you know, Trevor Lawrence, probably more of a pocket passer. Zach Wilson, kind of a, 
RPO guy. Trey Lance, not a lot of um, starts, more of an RPO guy. Justin Fields can make all the throws. Mac Jones, he played in a pro-style offense, but he had wide receivers that probably can start on a lot of NFL teams. Um, he's kind of a guy that can do a little bit uh, of everything. So maybe the, the, the 49ers are saying we just don't want to have a stationary quarterback because we want somebody that's mobile, especially in this division and the way that the league is going. So definitely um, this is going to be a key point for the entire teams in the NFC West about the future of the San Francisco 49ers at the quarterback position. Yeah, much more on this as we get more news on what the 49ers might do and then ultimately what they ultimately do on draft day. And then this final note, our colleague Kyle Odegaard mentioned on social media that with this trade, the Cardinals now the only NFC West team with a first round pick next season. Rams, 49ers, Seahawks, they do not have a first round pick in 2022 i like it craig but they got something to show for those picks jamal adams one of the best you know safeties in football so i I mean i get it i mean some teams value it more than others obviously the niners are mortgaging the future on a guy that they know more than we do but is it going to pan out i mean we've seen quarterbacks johnny manziel not not the third overall pick jake locker christian ponder uh, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, but again, if you don't have one for the future, and you, I thought you had an excellent point. If you want to re up some of those defensive players, and, and we're talking to household names, you get a rookie quarterback, you can do that for the next couple of years, and, and they'll have some stability of winning 10, 11, 12 games every year because of that rookie quarterback. And again, Kyle Shanahan's one of the best when it comes to working with young quarterbacks. Look at his history. Let's just hope it doesn't happen that way mj just for our own benefit and the entire bird gang how about that i can we can all agree that that doesn't happen i get what you're saying and yes you're absolutely true but uh, let, you know maybe it doesn't happen that way well and then and then we look at cliff i mean him and Kyler are growing together it's going to be a big year they got to make the next step and you know i think cliff's going to lean on sean coogler and some of the maybe different formations we see they got to get that running game going so i could i'm sure they're saying the same thing about if you had to pick a quarterback for the future in this division, I think a lot of teams would say Kyler Murray. Nothing against any of these guys coming out. We know we can. We know what Murray can do. It's got to get better and uh, not as inconsistent. But you know Stafford, he's not going to play forever. But I do like the fact that you know the Cardinals have some skill position players where they can compete with these teams in the division. I think defensively they can, they can win some football games. Hopefully in the fourth quarter in some of these division games. Just goes to show you, Bird Gang, how quickly things can happen in the National Football League, and they happen fast on Friday as far as how things now look in the 2021 NFL Draft. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.